Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash checkthelocks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to Check the Locks presents True Crime for the Short on Time. As always, I'm John Connor. I'm Olivia Cornu. Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying bite-sized true crime case. Before we get started, Olivia, it is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Are you ready to indulge in the holiday food? How are you feeling? What do you got planned for tomorrow? I am actually going to have Thanksgiving locally um, with my dad's side of the family. Um, But I'm really excited to eat some Thanksgiving food. And you know what? I was listening to the radio today and they were talking about like the worst food at Thanksgiving, the sides. And what did you think? What would you think number one would be? Like what's your least favorite side? Oh, man. Um. I think some people make green bean casserole. I'm not a green bean casserole guy. 
that was the number two thing. And I'm like, was I really? love green bean casserole. Yeah, it's not for me. It was the the yams. Okay, that makes Candid sense too. yams. I dated a girl in high school, my high school girlfriend, and she like loved green bean casserole. Her mom would make it all the time. And I remember like she was just eating it one day and then we had to go to the grocery store for something. And I mean, she cut one in the, in the aisle that like the whole store could smell. And I was like, that's why I don't eat green bean cat. And you know, she was tiny, like, you know, maybe a hundred pounds soaking wet. But I mean, just like from the front door to the back door, it was all green bean casserole and that Kroger that day. So I was just like, no, no, I think we should have green bean casserole more than just like Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah. But nobody ever makes green bean casserole. See, now, I don't know if it's like a Midwest thing, but I feel like like people in Michigan would make green bean casserole like quite frequently. Like if you were going to like a like something where somebody invited you to dinner and they're like, bring a dish like somebody would make a green bean casserole or oh yeah, you you put the Mm -hmm. French's onions on it and all that stuff. But Mm -hmm. it's just just not my thing. Well, what are you looking forward to for tomorrow? Oh, my God. So. I mean, so many things. My favorite thing is I'll like take the the Hawaiian roll and I'll cut it in half and I'll put turkey on it. And then I'll put some mashed potatoes on it, like a little bit. I make like a little sandwich and I'll mm-hmm. eat so many of those. But my family or Kara's family does uh, Cajun fried turkeys. And that is like, I just love a good Cajun turkey. Also, um, Kara's aunt brings like a jalapeno popper dip, which is like cream good. cheese. Uh, diced jalapenos, cheddar cheeses. Like, you know, you just take the chips and dip it right in. I'll eat so much of that. I also really like sweet potatoes, like the Thanksgiving sweet potatoes where it's like there's the pecans on it and it's like sugary. I'm like, oh yeah, I really dig that. That's very, very good. So I'm going to be smashing. It's a pecan. Your pecan, pecan, whatever. Anyways, we are short on time, John, but I'm super thankful for you first and foremost. But we got to get to get for you too. Also, I did be, I know we're short on time, blah, blah, blah. But I was curious because <laughs> last year, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, you were a psychopath who was doing like a turkey trot. So you're not like getting up and doing any crazy running or anything this Thanksgiving? No, not unless I just do it on my own. I'm not going um, to my hometown. And that's usually when, you know, my sister gets us up. And actually, you know, last year we were supposed to, but it rained. I think you went anyway, if I remember correctly. No, my sister did. Okay. Pretty, yeah, it was my sister. I like to think I'm having an influence on you. Where you're like, yeah. I'm not getting up on Thanksgiving. Would John go running on Thanksgiving? No. <laughs> Would John get up this early and go running? No. Probably not. Thanksgiving, you get up and you make cinnamon rolls. And then you just eat a <laughs> bunch of cinnamon rolls. But you are right. We are short on time. And Olivia, I have to warn you. Uh, I am bring in a heavy hitter for the short on time. It is not very long, but I do want to give everybody just a warning. It is fairly graphic, but you know, with tomorrow being Thanksgiving, it is Thanksgiving theme, right? So I don't know if we should just carve this bird, get into the feast, quit with the Gabby, Gabby, get with the stabby, stabby. Should we just jump into the episode? Yeah. I'm kind of nervous. Well, I mean, don't be super nervous. I'm just saying, you know, there are some cases for me where they tend to affect me a little bit more. Um, and as we go through, I think you'll understand why. So I just, you know, like to give everybody a warning that, you know, even though it's short, there's kind of a lot of violence in it. So if this is not the time of year for you to listen to that or anything like that, just want to make sure we're giving everybody a heads up. All right. Well, let's get started. 
All right. So again, since tomorrow is Thanksgiving, this week short on time is going to be about that holiday. So for this case, we are headed to the town of Jupiter, Florida in 2009. I feel like we've done a couple of cases out of Jupiter, Florida. We do a lot of cases out of Florida. Yeah. I feel like a lot of, a lot of stuff is popping off down there, but regardless, 35-year-old Paul Michael Merhige arrived for Thanksgiving at his cousin-in-law Jim Stinton's house. Now there, Merhige joined his 33-year-old twin sisters, Lisa, who was pregnant at the time, and Carla. Merhige's aunt, 76-year-old Ramunda Joseph, was also in attendance, along with around 17 other friends and family members. Now the evening was going well. The family ate and celebrated, even doing sing-alongs around the family piano. And as the evening began to wind down, Jim Stinton and his wife Muriel tucked their six-year-old daughter Michaela into bed. Now, at some point, Paul Merhige excused himself. He left the house, got into his car, and drove away. The family continued to enjoy their holiday together, having no idea the tragedy that was about to befall them. A short time later, Paul Michael Merhige walked back into the home, only now he was holding a gun. And before the family knew what was happening, he started opening fire, shooting some at point-blank range. Carla, Lisa, and her unborn baby were killed. He then turned the gun on his aunt, Ramunde Joseph. She was struck in the shoulder and fell to the floor. Her husband immediately ran to her side to attempt to stop the bleeding, and it was then that Merhige approached and shot her in the chest. He then pointed the gun at his uncle, pulling the trigger twice. But luckily for the man, the gun didn't go off and he was able to escape. But Merhige would continue his deadly spree. Once he was finished with the adults, he proceeded to walk down the hall into Michaela's bedroom. He fired once, striking the six-year-old. He then left the room but returned almost immediately, firing twice more. She was struck in the back, hip, and head, killing the child instantly. Among the others shot was Patrick Knight, Merhija's brother-in-law. He would be in a coma for three months after the attack, but would eventually live. Paul also shot his 52-year-old cousin, but his injuries were not life-threatening. And during the attack, other family members recalled him yelling, I've waited 20 years to do this. The massacre was over as quickly as it started. Paul Michael Merhige walked out of the house, got into his car, and drove away. Now, family who escaped were able to run to a neighbor's home and call 911, and it was then that a manhunt for Merhige began. And as they dug into their suspect's past, the family dynamic began to come into focus. Paul and his sisters had a turbulent relationship. In 2000, Merhige had requested a restraining order against both sisters, saying that at the time they were trying to kill him. However, that request would later be canceled. But then in 2003, Carla requested a restraining order against Paul. She stated that he had lunged at her and threatened to slit her throat. But again, Carla would also cancel her request. Now, the family had also undergone a group therapy session in the past, and both sisters shared that their relationship with their brother was great until he started battling depression at around age 19. And since then, things have been rocky. 
Now, a judge would issue an arrest warrant from Rahij, and a $10,000 reward was issued to anyone with information that would lead to his arrest. But for the next month, Paul was nowhere to be found. In fact, America's Most Wanted would run a segment on the killer, hoping to bring him to justice. Then, on January 2, 2010, there was a break. Police received a phone call from an employee of a Florida Keys motel. This employee had recognized Merhige from the segment on America's Most Wanted, and they shared that they believed he was staying at the motel, and authorities immediately rushed to the scene. They forced entry into the room, and Merhige was arrested while sitting on the computer. At this point, he had shaved his head and grown out his beard to attempt to elude authorities. Additionally, he swapped plates on his vehicle, and he had hit it with a large car cover. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Upon his arrest, he would be charged with four counts of first-degree murder, as well as two counts of attempted first-degree murder. Now, much to the dismay of the survivors, Merhige was offered a plea deal that would take the death penalty off of the table. And to avoid being put to death, he accepted that deal and pled guilty to all charges. Paul Michael Merhige was sentenced to seven consecutive life sentences, with the judge telling him, you'll never see the light of day. Additionally, as part of the plea deal, he gave up the right to attempt any appeal. As part of the proceedings, Merhige's medical records were released, and they documented a history of mental illness. In 1998, he told a therapist that his family was, quote, obligated to take care of him, and he believed that he should be allowed to move back home so that they could, quote, suffer with him. Then, in 1999, Merhige attempted suicide by shooting himself in the chest. However, he survived and only grazed his lung. And in 2005, he made a final attempt by swallowing pills from his medicine cabinet. This attempt was also unsuccessful. Now, after his sentencing, Merhige's surviving brother-in-law, Patrick Knight, and Jim Sitton filed lawsuits against Paul's parents. They argued that the couple knew that their son was dangerous, but failed to protect their loved ones from him. However, the judge ruled that in the history of Florida, no parents had ever been charged for the actions of their child, and both suits were eventually tossed. As for the Stittons, they have since set up a foundation in Michaela's name to honor her love of dance and music, and an annual concert is held in her honor each year. So that's this week's case, Olivia. Like I said, it's very short, but very graphic. A lot of stuff happening in one night. So where's your head at? What are you thinking? What do you got? This one was a very heavy hitter in such a short amount of time. I think these massacre types, you know, just like the one with the Santa Claus that we did last year, you know, they just come in and wipe out a lot of people. And it's just really devastating, especially when it's all family members. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. And I mean, not only family members, but Raheem's killed an unborn child and he killed a six year old, you know, and not only did he do that, but he did that after he sat down and ate with them and sang songs with them. Right. And I mean, you know, I have a really hard time with cases that involve children, especially young children, because, you know, with Millie being at the age that she's at, like I that's what I picture in my head as I'm going through and doing the research. And it's just heartbreaking. Right. And yeah. You know, what I also found really interesting in the research is that Jim Stitton, he begged the judge to put the death penalty on the table. He was like, I know that there's this plea deal, but like, please sentence him to death. And the judge was like, I, I can't. If there's a deal, I can't do it. And his exact words were like, well, if this guy doesn't get the death penalty, then who does? Right. Which we've talked about it before. I'm not a huge proponent of the death penalty, but as a parent, and if that was my kid, it makes total sense to me why I'd be like, yeah, like take his life, you know? I mean, I think the judge, you know, did the best that he could with, you know, seven consecutive life sentences. And then, you know, this guy's never going to come up for parole. Yeah. And and he can't file an appeal so he can never have like a mistrial. But in a way it is sentencing him to a lifetime of prison, you know, but I just, this, these ones, they, these are tough to swallow. Yeah. You know, and it, I get what you're saying. It's like they didn't take his life, but they definitely took a life away from him. Because what kind of life do you have if you're, you know, seven life sentences consecutive in prison? Like you're never getting out. You'll never be free. You know, I know I wouldn't want to, you know, be in a, a maximum security prison for a night, let alone seven consecutive life sentences. But the other thing I thought was very interesting in the research was that it seems that Merhij was actually planning on killing himself after. And I believe from the research, he was going to run the, you know, a hose to get the fumes from his car into his vehicle and complete suicide that way. However, I think he chickened out based on what I was reading, but they were able to find a search history where they were, he was looking to buy all these things and like uh, purchase some of this stuff. Yeah. So, which to me, like, like you, are able to go in and like do this to your family, right? You're, you're able to, to kill two children and your aunt and your sisters. Like I love my sisters more than anything in the world. Like I can't imagine, you know, ever wanting to do anything that would, that would physically hurt them, you know? Right. And you can go in and do this, but then like, like you are where you draw the line. I don't know. I think this is one of those things where it's, you know, people may say it's mental illness and, you know, obviously he had a history of some issues, but at the end of the day, I I do think there are some people out there that are just evil. Evil. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's a darkness inside some people, just something is under the skin that like isn't supposed to be there and it makes you do things like this, you know, so yeah. super happy that he's never getting out of prison. But, you know, if we're talking deadbolt tests, what are you thinking? Where are you putting this one? Eight. It's a cousin-in-law. Not whose house he went to. A cousin-in-law. Yeah. yeah. And Jim Stinton doesn't even know who invited him. He just showed up. Yeah. Like that's just saying anybody can just show up at your Thanksgiving. I'm just putting myself sitting tomorrow with my family and all of a sudden someone comes in and does this. Like that's terrifying. It's Yeah. Neat. And it, like you said, it is very similar to the Christmas episode that we did last year where, you know, he dressed as Santa and came in the house and, you know, it's like mass attacks where it's like, you know, how much damage and violence can I complete in a short amount of time, you know? 
at mm-hmm. like maximum maximum pain maximum damage and it's just it's heartbreaking i i'm gonna i mean i'm gonna put it right there with you i'm gonna give this a nine because you know i don't think it's very likely like tomorrow when i'm sitting with my family and you know we're passing the turkey we're passing the pumpkin pie and all that which i will not eat the pumpkin pie but when we're passing it around i will think about this case it sweats dude nobody wants to eat a food that sweats if you say you like pumpkin pie you're a liar i don't eat pumpkin pie I know. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying I know there's some listeners in the Facebook group that are like, pumpkin pie is delicious. You're not telling the truth. I don't know who you're trying to who you're trying to convince. Maybe it's yourself. Anyway, I digress. All I know is I'm going to be thinking about this case when I'm sitting down, you know, with the people that I love tomorrow. I think it's just a, a really good reminder of like there are bad people out there. And then also like anything can happen at any time, you know, so you have to kind of be in the moment. And be thankful yeah. you're able to sit and enjoy a meal with your family. Yeah. You know, cause for me, hopefully that would be the thing after time has passed that the people who survive that, that would be that memory. Like, yes, I love these people. Instead of what happening being my final memory of them. I want the, we were eating, we were singing songs at the piano, like for that last time that we were together up until this terrible thing happened. It was a great time. It was a great time, you know? And I think that's what we should strive to have in our own lives, you know? So, but yeah, I'm going to put it in a nine. It's, it's, it's sad. And, uh, and, you know, with Thanksgiving coming to an end, you know, I thought this would be a good case to go out to kind of like round out the theme that we've had for this month. But, um, you know, definitely when you're with the people that you love tomorrow, let them know that you love them. That's all I, you know, that's all I'd say. Well, that is where we fall on the deadbolt test for this week's episode. Olivia is putting it at an eight. I'm putting it at a nine. But as always, we want to hear from the locksmiths, our listeners. Where does the Thanksgiving massacre fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at check the locks pod. Find us on Twitter. At check the locks. And if you're not in our Facebook group, come on and join us. We'd love to get to know you and spend some time with you. And if you want to financially support the show, you can do so by becoming a patron. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks to get signed up today. We got a lot of great tiers, a lot of exclusive stickers, t-shirts, coffee mugs, all sorts of stuff you can only get for being a patron. Plus, you get the episodes ad free and early. So if you love check the locks, but you hate commercials, Patreon is the best way to go. So again, if you like what we do, want to help us keep the lights on, that's patreon.com forward slash check the locks. Get signed up today. And if you can't financially support the show, we definitely understand just listening, hanging out with us every week, sharing the show with your friends and family means just as much, if not more. So if that is you, you're sharing what we do with the people who are important to you. Just know that that means the world to us. Again, that's going to help us grow, get in front of as many listeners as possible, really help us to build our community. And by you sharing the show, that is the best way for us to do that. So if that is you, just know we appreciate you more than we could ever tell you. That is all that we have for this week's case, but please make sure that you are subscribed to Check the Locks on your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. We will see you again next week with a brand new, truly terrifying, bite-sized true crime case. But until then, don't forget to Check the Locks. See you next week. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble, happy Thanksgiving. I had to bring back the gobble, gobble. (laughs) Gobble, gobble. Happy Thanksgiving.